Blog Talk. I have an emergency. What is your location? Yes, good morning indeed. Welcome to the continuation of the war. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we need you. Absolutely. Got to have you every day, every moment. And because it's getting pretty intense out there, Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd support and sustain us with the, the reinforcement of your Holy Spirit in every area of our body, our life, our mind, our, our call, the call upon our lives, our families, everything. You said that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Well, Lord God, there's been a lot of weapons formed against your people. So we're calling today for the shields of God to protect and defend us, Lord God, your remnant, your people. Protect us from things, the invisible attacks, the visible attacks, the obvious attacks of the enemy. Lord, and give us courage and having done all to stand as we wait upon you and wait for the promises to be fulfilled. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for us. You endured the shame. You looked you didn't look at that. You looked at the joy, for the joy that was set before you endured and went through the pain, the, the cursing, the despising. You laid down your life. You shed your blood. You finished the task. You were completely victorious in laying down your life and completing that very critical part of our salvation. And I thank you, Jesus, that you look with joy, look forward to our reun- being reunited. So I thank you for being our faithful witness in the contest, in the battle what Satan has done to push and press charges against each one. I thank you, Lord, that you are our advocate, our witness, our defender, and Lord, that your father, that father, you are the righteous judge. So we rest our case fully in the, in the, in the promises of your faithfulness. Amen. Hey, welcome back, honey. It looks like you're here. Uh, amen, amen. Where have you been? I've been missing in action. I've been, uh, yeah, you you've know, been... been in East Africa and, uh, and just kind of recovering from some, Attacks of the enemy. Yeah, you sound kind of croaky. And, and this I, I'm sound like I'm croaky, so but I haven't croaked yet. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm in, okay. Well, that's good. I'm in good shape by the grace of God. Amen. There you go, just like Abraham. Yep. Hey, the weight of the promises has become um, the, the hardest uh, burden, the heaviest burden that we can bear, and the greatest battle we'll ever enter into is to wait and wait on the promises of God. The weight, the heaviness of the burden that Abraham carried, for example, the burden of the, um, the un- unfulfilled or yet unaccomplished promise that we carry with prevail as we persevere, whatever the task is, that, that burden, that weight is kind of, an, uh, it, it carries, it, it's part of us. And then the waiting for it becomes also part of that weight that, you know, it, it, the endurance, the, the promises keep going, keep going, just go a little further as, you know, as you would uh, had, have mentioned um, so, well, God operates through his word. I mean, he created everything through his word. Mm-hmm. He spoke yeah. and everything, you know, came into existence. God said, and it was, That's true. and so God continues to work with us, uh, communicate with yeah. us mm-hmm. through promises, through he, his he, word, yeah. he, through the promises mm-hmm. that he makes. Uh, and, and we know, we have to know that God recognizes that God is true. God is not a liar. God makes exceeding great and precious promises yeah, uh, yeah. that we might be partakers of the divine nature. But these promises have come all the way through Scripture. 
from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, the talks about the, right. the seed of the woman was going right. to bruise the head of the serpent. That's a promise. That took Crushed a long them. time to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And right. It, you know, and, and so, uh, it, you know, really thousands of years. Well, you know, and interesting, it, it, by the time we get into chapter 15 of Genesis, um, where we've already seen, we went through chapter 6 and 7 and 8, we went through the giants, we went through the flood, and, and now we see in 15 that God is basically calling Abraham uh, unto himself to create for himself a people of his own, because all the people, even those that came through the flood with Noah, there was a remnant, according, according to the, the word Shem and his, his crew remained faithful to God, but Japheth and, and Ham kind of went astray and built the Tower of Babel and whatnot, and so the thing is, that God wanted to call for himself a remnant of his own. And so he picked out Abraham. And so let me read that in Genesis chapter 12. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, Mm -hmm. he was known as Abram at that time, later known as Abraham, uh, exalted father, which means to, uh, to be a Abraham, a father of a multitude. So he came to that place, but it says, God said, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Again, then in Genesis 12, 2 and 3, I will make you a great nation mm-hmm. and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, yeah. let me just say this, verse 4 to so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from uh, Haran. Most people are starting to think about retiring at 75, and Abraham is just getting started. So, but, but he lived a little bit longer than the most of us do. But then you go into chapter 15, where you see um, after many years of duration, and Abraham had you know, kind of wavered a little bit there at the promise of God, and Sarah hadn't yet conceived a son. And so God said, well, maybe Abraham said, well, maybe God meant that I should get this son through another way. And so him and Sarah came up with the idea. Actually, it was her idea to have used Hagar as a a surrogate mom. And but what after that child grew and began to grow up, God came back to Abraham in chapter 15 of Genesis. And he says um, in the visit, he's saying, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. But Abraham said, Lord, what will you give me, seeing I, I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And then he went on to say, so God was, ref- I'm, he was refreshing the promises to Abraham, who had, after so many years, kind of collapsed or caved or wandered and wandered around, obviously going back and forth in the land he was supposed to well, inherit. Oh, well, look at, if you look at verses three and, and, here. He says, look, uh, Lord, basically is what he's saying. You have given me no offspring. Mm-hmm. Okay, You promised that in me, I was going to be a father of many nations mm-hmm. in, in through me all, and through my offspring, all the nations of the world will be, are going to be blessed. He says, right now, I don't have any natural offspring. Right. All I've got, I've got this servant mm-hmm. that's basically <laughs> my heir. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, he's not of my blood, but he is mm-hmm. my heir as it is right now. Verse 4, and here comes the word of the Lord now of confirmation, mm-hmm. reaffirming the promise. Yeah. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, 
This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside, God did, Mm -hmm. and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And it says, verse 6, and he believed in the Lord and it accounted to him for righteousness. This is a powerful, powerful statement that goes through all the rest of the uh, scripture. So God is reaffirming the promise, even though the circumstances look like it's not going to happen. It it hasn't happened. It's been a long time. It hasn't happened. And the question comes, is it ever going to happen the way God said it was going to happen? And this isn't just Abraham's story. This is our story as well. But we, you know, think about your own life right now. What are the promises you're struggling to believe God for? Well, we can see as God set this up in Genesis 15, he uses it in Romans chapter 4, 3 and 4, where Paul is, is, is in a discussion uh, a transition between law, works, and grace. Um, and he's, he's saying, you know, how do we get righteous before God? Um, he says in, ver- in chapter 3 of Romans 21, he says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. There is no difference. So he's saying, knows everybody's sinned, everybody's short of the glory of God. This free justification is coming through not the law, not the works, not the Ten Commandments, not us striving. Abraham, he was trying to do something to make this promise come to pass. You are trying to do something to fulfill the promises of God, but that's not how it works. It doesn't work by striving because as we see, um, you know, Abraham couldn't make it happen. We can't make it happen these incredible promises that he's going to inherit, inherit all this land from the Egyptian river, probably the Nile to the Euphrates. That's a lot of land. That's a lot of nations. And that, that was going to be all Abraham's land. And so what happened is um, Abraham and, and have stars descendants as the number of stars. So what we see then goes on in, um, in verse uh, chapter four, verse one is Paul is, is helping the people understand that we move not from works where God has to owe us, where we can make that thing happen. So many in their natural world, it's like, it's up to you. It's up to me to work harder. Take control. Yeah, you can, Take yeah. Control. you can have anything word. you want. Just work harder, you know, the American dream, whatever. And so in verse one, he says, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father has found according to the flesh for Abraham, for if Abraham was justified by the works, by works, he has something of which to boast but not before God. You know, when we earn something, we earn it and it's ours and we get the reward and we get the boasting, we get the, pro, the, the, the acknowledgement. And it's not then directed at God as being the, 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 the true author and finish of our faith. So Abraham, it says, but what does the scripture say? That Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Well, what did he believe? Um, now he says in verse four, to him who works, the wages are accounted as are, are not accounted as grace, but as debt. So if you earn something, it's not given freely. You earned it, and God is not going to be a debtor to any man. He's not going to owe us salvation. Right, exactly. And so, but, but he says, um, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted to him for righteousness. So what was God saying um, in verse, you know, he's saying uh, that the blessedness uh, of of, of the grace of God, the freedom of God, the, the salvation of God, 
the promises of God, are based not on works, but on a new, a whole new paradigm upon faith. It says in verse 13, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promises are made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. So God was wanting to move us away from that spirit of wrath and judgment and condemnation that Satan was so eager to put upon us by saying, no, 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 we're, we're doing this a whole new way. We're going to do this through faith and the promises. And notice, it's all about faith. The, the just shall live by faith. Yeah. Faith in what? Faith in the promises of God. And, and the promises of God are only as good as God is. Right. It's like a company that, say, a, a company, a business company that makes uh, a promise, a guarantee or something of a product. Mm-hmm. That, that guarantee, that warranty is only as good as the integrity of the company. Right. 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 Do, and do they have the ability and the desire and the, and the grace, we could say, power mm-hmm. to uh, fulfill what they had se- said that they were going to do? So this is where God then becomes really on. He's put on on the spot because he's the one who's made the promises. And now he's asking us to believe him. And so this is where the battle begins. It, it says for the promise that he would be the heir uh, was not through the law, but through righteousness of faith. So. The, the law was not able to justify us or save us because if it could have, then Jesus Christ's death would have been in vain. And, and of course, Satan wanted his death to be in vain, and he still wants to um, bring the law in as a, a huge factor in our justification and salvation. But God says, no, it's not going to be that way. He says, verse 16, um, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but to those who also were of faith, are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So he's saying, now, whether you're circumcised or not, Abraham actually received the promise before he was circumcised. So circumcision was kind of a mark of the law. But at the same time, he received the promise before he actually was given the circumcision. So he, this whole thing of faith, grace, uh, promises, these three things go together. Wherever there's faith, there's got to be faith in something. And it's faith in the promise of God. What is that based on? It's based on God's integrity, God's word. And so that the just shall live by faith. And then God is able to bestow on us grace. And it's not something we earn. Grace is freely given. Um, he says in verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Isn't that amazing? That God actually calls into existence things that don't exist. And he says, and Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believes. So we have hope now connected with faith. Hope in the promises. Faith in the promises that he, had, that he was um, the father, was to become the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. So, verse 19. Abraham not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body. He did not look at the obstacles. He did not look uh, at the reasonable objections. I'm too old. Sarah's too old. This has never happened like this before. He didn't go into that kind of, you know, some of those other reasonable objections we have that become obstacles to the promise are things like it's never been done before. It's never happened. I've prayed and prayed and prayed. Nothing works. Um, I'm tired of waiting. Yeah, just just kind of that 
going using your reasonable mind. Abraham had to step out of his reasonable mind and and walk in the spirit to receive this. So we see again, the spirit gives life, but the letter kills. So when you're in the flesh, you're trying to figure it out, make it make sense, uh, work the program instead of follow the promise. You're going to have a whole lot of resistance to your, from your mind and your spirit, your your uh, soul, your emotions through the enemy who brings those resistances. Well, Abraham's faith was not without resistance. There was times where, you know, we think that, you know, it, it talks about he did not waver. Yeah, that's good. He, he yeah. did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So there were times where he mm-hmm. had questions. Like we right. said, okay, I'm getting older here now. Mm-hmm. Where are these, where's the son? Mm-hmm. Uh, where are these children? You promised me. Uh, I don't have any natural yeah. offspring. Well, yet. this was and God. God affirms to him, reaffirms to him the promise. And I guess you could say that one of the, his, in a sense, a failure of faith was that where he said, okay, he and Sarah got together and said, well, like you mentioned earlier, we're going to get Hagar mm-hmm. uh, and she'll be in, in trying to try to it work, try to make it work, yeah. try, make it happen. Yeah. And, yeah. and so God did not just dispose of Abraham because of that uh, He didn't mistake. even consider, he didn't even count it against Abraham. Notice he right. says, it, it, um, in, in that, verse 19, we have Paul saying, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body being dead or the circumstances uh, or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the, promises of, at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Do you know that he waited for this promise of Isaac for 25 years? Yes. Because you started, he started when he was 75, and here he's now about 100. But he says in verse 21, being fully convinced that what he, God, had promised, he, God, was also able to perform. Therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So, see, Satan can't play with this. Satan can get you to break the law. He can get he can indict you uh, as as being a sinner. He can, you know, pre- present his case against you and his list of sins as evidence against you in the court of heaven. But he can't, you know, he can't really touch this thing of the promise of God because that's given as he he can't find fault with that. The only thing he can do in regard to the promises, get you to waver or get you to um, give up or grow weary or get bitter. And I think that those kinds of obstacles, the getting bitter part, the waiting, the, the answers to prayer that don't come become the biggest obstacles to the promise as, well, uh, as we've seen so many times. God calls us to a, what I call, okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that, that we believe, even though it looks like, Nothing's you know, it, happening. It looks like it's nothing happening. Right. It looks like nothing's going to work. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, Job, you know, in, in yeah. Job thirteen fifteen, who was going through all this trouble. He loses his family. Yeah. He loses his health. business. Mm-hmm. He loses his health. He, you know, loses his property and all that stuff. But he says regarding God, he says, even if God slays me, even if God would kill, kill me, me. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to trust him. That was You, you think right of the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that were thrown into the burning fiery furnace, they said, you know, our God is able to deliver us if we get thrown in here. But it's, it's just, I just want you to know that if he doesn't, mm-hmm. we're still not going to bow down to serve yeah, your God. Yeah, exactly. So it's trust and trust in God's deliverance. No matter what. No matter what. It but even like. if he does deliver us, doesn't deliver us, we're still going to st- trust the Lord. We're mm-hmm. still not going to bow down to these uh, idols that this uh, king had erected. 
Well, yeah, this takes us exactly to Hebrews chapters 10 and 11 and 12. And in 10, uh, 36, um, you know, God is, we're coming up into this place where there's a big chapter 11, all about the the warriors of faith and how they endured and what they had to go through. Um, And in verse 36, just previous to that, he says, um, oh, let's see. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read, start with 31, um, 32. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated or brought into the revelation of Jesus Christ, you endured a great struggle of sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproach and tribulations, and partly while you you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me, Paul is saying, in my chains, and joyfully, well, if, if Paul wrote Hebrews, that is, and joyfully accept the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and more enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, he says, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have great need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So endurance becomes part of the promise. Endurance becomes waiting. Absolutely, waiting. So here's the situation. The context of this is that whoever the human author of this is, we don't know if it's the Apostle Paul or somebody else, it is written primarily, initially, to Jewish believers, yes. people who had mm-hmm. Hebrew Christians. Who understood who, Abraham, who, who knew understand Abraham. Abraham, who knew Abraham. They had become believers in Christ. But since they had been, become believers in Christ, kind of all hell had broken. Yes, right. Them. Persecution. And so they were getting yep. discouraged. Struggles, they were thinking, oh, man, why, do we suffer? Yep. why don't we just go back to Judaism? And Let's go back to the law so we can... Uh, you know, live so we can live. We're, t- we're just tired of this persecution. Yeah. So, so the writ it was written, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews was written to encourage them to endure, to press on. So don't sense. go back to your old religion. Yeah. Don't go, don't go back to those old ways because, because you know, it's death because yeah, it, it's death. He says, don't cast, cast mm-hmm. away your confidence. Yeah. So they were losing confidence. They were losing heart. They were getting discouraged. Mm-hmm. They had their they had their goods plundered. They they lost their stuff. That's true. They had reproaches. They had shame. They had tribulation. That's for us today. And, the, and yeah, and here we are. Mm-hmm. So he says you have need of endurance, mm-hmm. so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So endurance, yeah. it's it's a state of heart. It's a state of mind mm-hmm. uh, that we continue to believe God. Even though every all hell seems to be breaking, well, and I think with us. continuing faith, faith believing God for these impossible things, or think of the man who brought his son to Jesus, and some of you are in impossible situations right now, and you're 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 being tormented with the idea of do I have enough faith? You know, I can't do this. Um, I give up. Just give me a break. Just you know, let me out of here, kind of thing. Um, I got to go back. I'm going to turn back. I can't. This is too hard for me. And so these kinds of thoughts are floating through your mind as temptations, but you're not recognizing them as temptations from Satan. You're thinking they're your own thoughts. And this becomes another uh, level of temptation that's very insidious because we don't even see it as a temptation. But he says in verse 37, for yet a little while, a little while. And I know with God, a little while is a long time to us. You know, I get that. As soon as 2000 years, I get that. We're not, you know, we're not in the same dimension of time, marking time, I don't think. But he says, Yet a little while, and he was coming, will come, and will not tarry. So he is coming. 
Jesus is coming back and everything, everything, every word, every promise that he made, uh, whether for justice and justification and glory or wrath, every word he said, he will fulfill. He says, and now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So God, it says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. We haven't got enough faith. We haven't got enough strength. We haven't got enough endurance. So we must come to the place like the father did who had brought his son. Lord, help my unbelief. I cannot do this. I can't do this. This is, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm, you, you know, whatever your trial is, that Satan is resisting you in receiving and obtaining the promises. The good news is you already have the promise. The promises are, you know, yes and amen in Jesus Christ. The promises were secured for us at the cross. The promises of your health and healing were secured when he was whipped and beaten. They're there. They're already there. They're done. They've, they've been finished, completed. There's absolutely no retracting them. God does not take them back. They're there for you, for us. But Satan wants to keep you from claiming them. He wants to keep you from getting to that foot of the cross. He wants to keep you busy, driven, worried, angry, frustrated, uh, fretting, fret not, the Bible says over and over, it only causes harm. Cease from anger, you know, uh, and do not fret, it only causes harm. So we're fretting, um, trying to do what's already been done, and that becomes quite frustrating actually in itself. But he says, um, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now, we move into Hebrews chapter 11, where we have a very interesting discussion about those, those, uh, those examples that are being presented to the Jews about who they knew. They knew these people. Um, he starts out, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is an untangible. And for us, substances are always tangible. There's always something that you can put your five senses to and describe it. But this faith is from another dimension. It is a substance. But it's not, and it's, it's something we've hoped and believed God for, but it is not, and it's evidence uh, of things, the promises of things that we've not yet seen, but it's not visible to the, the mortal naked eye. Um, the, the, we obtain it through faith in Christ Jesus. Um, even he goes on to give an example here of chapter, verse 3, which is very interesting. He says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So he's even saying here, you guys are seeing things. You're seeing that top of that table, that chair, that glass, that cup, that car. You're seeing these things, but they're, not, they're, they're all made of things that you cannot see, molecules and atoms. And so here, even here he's saying that the tangible is visible and evident, but it's made from things that are not visible. And the same with our, our faith in Christ Jesus. So he goes on to start listing the people of faith um, in, in that chapter. He says, um, let's see, let's go with verse, well, I don't know if we should do all of them. 1 through 13, we've got Abel, of course. Um, his faith was the faith of being obedient to offer the blood sacrifice of the lamb. Um, he, evidently, God had, had told them what they were supposed to do, and he did it. He was obedient. By faith, Enoch was translated so that he did not see death. He, he was not found because God translated him. He took him. He didn't die. Um, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch is the author of the book of Enoch. Um, but he says in verse 6, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is the whole requirement that we believe in the promises of God. Not in, we don't bring our good works. We don't you know, look, bring our report card. We bring our, our testimony that we believe God. Now, Noah believed God, 
and built the ark. If he would have said, nah, this is just me. I think I'm delusional. People said, you know, I'm delusional. He's mental. He's just got a, you know, pipe dream. He's crazy. And he wouldn't have, he would have talked himself out of building the ark. That would have been a calamity that would have had no repair. Um, and Abraham and Sarah, then we're going to see how they, they obeyed God and they came out of the place where they were to inherit the promises. And the, the place that they were called to inherit, by the way, um, Abraham was given several promises to, to be the father of many nations and have all this land. And, you know, neither of those promises did he see completed. He never, he never did. I mean, that land of the Canaanites, the giants, that wasn't conquered until 400 years or so after he died. Right. And even when Sarah, to find that when Sarah died there in, in Genesis chapter 23, mm-hmm. he had to buy a, a burial plot for her. in the land. Because you know, he, he didn't, didn't even own he, nothing. He didn't even own a lot, a, a burial lot right. for his wife. So he had to purchase that. So when so, he died, so the, the faith is this faith is just wow. Well, then think about it for a minute. When Abraham died, and he might have made a demo, he might have made a declaration, he might have kept all these promises to himself. I don't know, but he, he might not have. And if he would have declared to his people around him. God has given me this land. God has given me the descendants. Uh, you know, the stars of the sky. When he died, people said, yeah, right, Abraham, you are, you're a fool. Look, at you didn't get anything. You're, you're pipe dreaming it. But he says, um, in, he says uh, let's see, here in verse 13, all these, these died, Abraham, Sarah, Noah, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were sure of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. Notice he's saying they were given the promises, they were told to believe for the promises that grace and faith and salvation um, activated and worked through the promises. And there he says in, they, were not, they didn't receive the promises. In other words, what, what's going on here? Because they believed, you believe, you believe for promises, you believe for a husband to be saved, a son or daughter to come back to the Lord. You believe for, um, I don't know, whatever it is you're believing for that you think is what you want and need and cry out to God for. And it does not happen. Does this mean that we didn't have enough faith? Absolutely not. Because Abraham believed God and didn't receive the promise has nothing to do receiving the promise or the outcome of the, of the, uh, the prayer, the the faith has nothing to do with the, the integrity of the person who has that faith. He was believing in spite of what it looked like. He saw his, his home truly in heaven. Oh, really? We sometimes we look for the fulfillment of the promises in our own lifetime, in right. our own time frame, and and certainly many of those can be fulfilled and are fulfilled during our own lifetime and so forth. But you know, Abraham, you know, after he died, uh, it it says in Genesis twenty five eleven, you know, he was buried in this cave of of, of Machpelah along with his wife. He was buried; they were buried together mm-hmm. there in the same location. But verse 11 of, of Genesis 25 says, and it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. Mm-hmm. So what was it? In Isaac shall your seed be called. Mm-hmm. So the, the promised son was there. was there, and the blessing now was a kind of extended and carried out according to the promise through Isaac to inherit that land that God had promised Abraham. So yeah. shall your seed be. So the seed, the, that which is not necessarily you right now, but your seed, your kids, 
Your children are the ones that are going to inherit. They're the ones that are just that are going beyond you in fulfillment of the promise that I have given you. And even Isaac had quite a struggle in becoming, uh, having children or descendants. Him and his wife, um, Rebecca, waited a long, was it Rebecca? Yeah. Yeah, Jacob had Rachel. Okay. Jacob and Esau. Yeah, and so they waited a long time for their, um, for their sons to show up. And so every, it's always a waiting game. It's, it's always, and I think Satan petitions the high court for that very purpose to see if he can have more time to rip and strip the promises, uh, lose, cause us to lose heart, to give up on God. And many of you are in that place right now. You just say, you know, I can't go on any further. Uh, God disappointed me. God abandoned me, forsook me. But this is the perfect place to be where you're at the bottom and you don't have to, you can't, you finally admit it. I can't do this. And you can surrender, say, God, if this is going to happen, it's going to be your deal, not my deal. And that place of surrender is really the place where we begin. It's, it's, God has to kind of strip us of all the, the you know, we have a lot of uh, ideas, notions, strengths, talents, you know, I, of our own. And God has to convince us, convert us, transform us be transformed by the renewing of your mind into the place where it's, it's, we're walking in the spirit all the time, not just part of the time. So we go on in Hebrews 11 and we see Isaac by faith. He blessed his sons and Jacob, he blessed his sons and Joseph. He said, bring my bones back when you leave. He obviously had faith that they were going to get out of Egypt. Uh, And Moses's parents by faith, you know, that was a really step of faith right there. Encourage to put your baby son in a, a basket of bulrushes with a little tar on it, let him float in the Nile. And I don't know if there are crocodiles in that Nile, but my goodness, where was that all going to end up? Who knows? They just did what they were told. But by that act, they were able to preserve and bring Moses to the place where Moses became used by God as the great deliverer. And so, and, but Moses, even when he had the chance to stay in the nice plush palace of the Pharaoh, turned his back on that and says, nah, he says, I, 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 says, I, re- I esteem the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures of e- Egypt. So even even people who look so nice right now, they've got everything. They've got so much money. They've got everything they want. Um, they spend it upon themselves. Um, and they, like the rich man and Lazarus kind of thing, they scoff that, that the poor little single parent mom, you know, or the, or the person who is um, scraping to make ends meet or the person who's devastated by the loss of someone. Um, these, these are greater riches <clears throat> to, to suffer with Jesus. Um, than to get all the, the temporal pleasures of this world, so he, so they all walked forward in that in that consecration. But then we see, um, you know, and great things happen sometimes. Jericho, the walls fell down. You know, uh, Rahab was spared. Um, and then he says, "But what can I? But what more shall I say? Where the time would fail to tell of all of the great stories. He's got Gideon. He's got Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, um, through who." who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained the promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Of course, you got Daniel in there. Stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the, violent, the violence of fire, the three Hebrew children, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong. Okay, they were, they were tested, and in their weakness is where you may be. This is where God becomes strong. When I'm weak, then he is strong. They became valiant in battle and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. They didn't turn around. They didn't back up. They didn't love their life. He, Jesus said he, he seeks to save his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will keep it. So we're not trying to keep our life down here. We're trying to spend it, give it away, invest it in the kingdom purposes and the purposes of God. 
And then we have some women, 35, who received their debt back to life again. But we have others that now we're switching, we're turning the page or looking on the other side of the coin. Others who were tortured and did not accept deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. There were others, you know, they didn't cave in the midst of what, I think the biggest, the biggest test was not probably the torture itself, but the disappointment to the hopelessness, the despair, the, the freaking out and giving up and giving over the hopes, the dreams, the promises, seceding, conceding, giving it over to Satan, the thief, and, and giving the most precious thing we have, which is the, the word of God over us, spoken over us, the promise, the call, the salvation, the finished work of Jesus Christ, that you are part of his family. We kind of want to just say, I can't do this, and we, we get discouraged. And discouragement is obviously um, where we're going to as we see that others, you know, they were tortured, they were not delivered, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still, others had trials of mockings, scourgings, chains, imprisonments. That's what Paul says, you know, he had a lot of that stuff going on. Chained, imprisoned, crushed, not crushed, persecuted, pressed down. They were stoned, sawn in two, tempted, were slain by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, not having enough to eat or drink or a place now, to live. Now, here, now here somebody in, in a hyper-faith mentality, which mm-hmm. is totally false, could say, you know what? These people really didn't have faith. Well, you know if what? If they then? would have had faith, they would have been prospering and conquering mm-hmm. kingdoms and all that. But these that, people better take chapter this part of chapter eleven out of their Bible, then, right? Because it's going to be embarrassing. Right. Yeah, it's like what Bible are you reading when you, yeah. when you think that? Because these talks, are the mighty ones. These are the these are the mighty ones mm-hmm. that it looked like looked they like. were like huge losers. And what does God say about these God said, huge losers? What God huh. said about this loser. She says mm-hmm. this, verse thirty-eight, of whom the world was not worthy. Right. We were not these people that were so despised, we're not we're, so attacked, yep. so um, uh, persecuted, hated, hated, hated. God says, "Listen, the world isn't worthy to have people like this." Yeah. So, so what what's highly esteemed by men is abomination yep, to God. That's right. And so, uh, God says, "These, you know, the worthy. I mean, they're the ones that conquered kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were worthy too." I mean, they were powerful, obviously, God, but these yeah, guys yeah. were powerful. They believed even though they, they were killed. Now, and same, Even though they didn't receive the promises they, they immediately. Didn't, they didn't receive the promises. And they were the gathered, promises. look at here, they were gathered into a company of witnesses um, that we, they have to wait for us. Um, and then he says in chapter 12, verse 1, yeah. lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us and run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Encouragement is a sin. Bitterness is a sin. Weariness is a sin. You know, murmuring, mocking, you know, a grumbling against God. Those kinds of things can ensnare us, but we're to run or abide or rest with endurance. Uh, the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. Look how Jesus did it. Look at what Jesus did. Did it look like Jesus we had obtained the promises of, you know, King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Did it? When he was dying on the cross, he said, it says here, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he had that in his heart and mind. He endured the cross. He went through it. He despised the shame. They were mocking him, humiliating him, pointing fingers at him, so that he kept in mind that he was going to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. And he 
you know, he didn't take it personally. He says, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And so then he goes on to talk about the chastening of the Lord. And a lot of times the, the, the trials, the afflictions of Satan to get you to let go of the promise are, you know, um, God lets, permits the enemy to try to break us. Uh, to get to make us to um, give up, go away, get discouraged, backslide, whatever. Uh, but God says, you know what? This is all good training for you. If you endure this, this chasing or this, this boot camp, if you endure this, you know, um, the chasing is for a little while. It doesn't seem to be joyful at the time, but it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness in those who are trained. It gives us the strength of faith in knowing that God is faithful. So he says, therefore, Verse 12, and here's where we fail. This is why people have arthritis. This is why their, bows, their backs are bowed down. They're depressed sometimes because they're, they're discouraged. Then the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I think the place of the greatest temptations and trials to cave in are in relationships, in unforgiveness, in bitterness, in rejection. Um, and he wants us to love so now we see love added to the to the core values here. We have the promise, and then the only way you can get the promise is by having faith. It's faith in God, in his word, in his integrity to keep that promise. And that faith creates uh, a substance called hope, and hope causes to give, gives us grace to prevail. And as we strength, we're strengthened, then we're, we're pursuing peace with all men. Now we're starting to move in the dynamics of the kingdom of God on earth, as we move in that place of faith. And so and he, he goes on to say that he doesn't want us to grow weary, become bitter in our souls. And by that bitterness, that being offended with God, really it's an internalized bitterness or angers, you know, that you can't make God do anything. And it, it becomes a, a discouragement, a bitterness, even to our offspring. Many times people walk away from God and it leads their children also astray. Um, and so the thing is, the, the Lord wants us to not grow weary. In chapter 13, he says, let brotherly love conti- continue. No matter what, you know, the promise is peace. The promise is eternal life with Jesus Christ. And the way we obtain the promises is through faith, through walking in the grace that God gives us to live it in peace with people. These are all elements. These are all concepts that mean nothing to the world. The world considers them as weak. Uh, the world considers them as irrelevant and um as a sure way to become uh, taken advantage of or become victimized, you know? So everybody out there is standing up for their rights, screaming and hollering and trying to make things happen and push people's buttons and threaten people and intimidate people, blackmail and flatter to get people to do what they want. But that's not at all the way God says to go forward. He says, um, let your conduct verse five be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And so love prevails, you know, against the powers of darkness. Faith and love, you know, faith, love, hope, faith, love. Jesus is coming to bring us back to the place of keeping his promises to us. Well, it's, you know, in Romans 5, 1 through 5, it says so. Therefore, having been justified by faith, Mm -hmm. we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith 
into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation mm-hmm. or trouble mm-hmm. produces difficulty. What, what does it produce? Patience, it says in the King James. New King James says perseverance. And perseverance produces character mm-hmm. and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. So in the midst of these tribulations that are uh, geared by the enemy, Mm -hmm. the enemy wants us to misinterpret those so that we get discouraged and give up. Yep. Uh, what, What the Lord wants us to do in the midst of tribulations is to trust him. And these are like, um, these things are like like muscle building, you know, like you, if you want to weight build training. muscles, like weight training. Yeah. They're kind of like weight training. They make us stronger. They make us more persevering. Godly character, hope. Hope isn't like, well, I hope everything works out. No, it's it's a sure expectation right. of that God will fulfill his promises, yeah. that I am going to trust him no matter what. And God doesn't want us to be just wimpy and be untried and, and everything like that. It's like a team they might, you know, they might think uh, a basketball team. They might think they're pretty good because all they've done is practice. Mm-hmm. But you know, and that. But then when they come up against a, a team yeah. that's yeah. tougher, it brings out well, what's yeah. really Actually, in Well, yeah. Actually, you them have to have the games. You have to have that competition. To prove. To prove. Right. You have to have that resistance. You have to, to have the resistance. So the resistance is not because God is mean, or because we've sinned necessarily, or because we don't have faith. It, it's just simply allowed by God for our good to be strengthened mm-hmm. to 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 continue to believe and receive to the provide. promises of God. Then, mm-hmm. yeah. so the promises of God, Patience. really, the fulfillment of the promises of God are are like are like blessings. They're they're great great peace blessings. Well, one of those promises is peace. Part is peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and part of it too is that God is wanting a people right from the beginning. I created him. Adam and Eve. That will be with him. A people that will be with him. That will believe a, a in him. A people who will trust him, believe him. him. That's why mm-hmm. Abraham, who we've been talking about today, is the father of the faithful. He is the spiritual father of us all, not just of the, right. the Jewish nation, mm-hmm. but of the Hebrews, but the father of all of those who are who live by faith. Because by grace we are saved through, through faith, faith, and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not, Not a works, works that any, any man, man should boast. Yeah. So, so we are uh, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so this is this is the this is the calling. The just shall live by faith. That is really the theme of Scripture. Mm-hmm. That is the the basis of of salvation is that living by faith, trusting in the promises of God. So the promises of God. You know, there are promises that... Um, well, eternal life is one of those promises. Right. Being raised from the eternal dead is one life. of those promises. Right. And, and some of God's promises are unconditional. Many of them are conditional that we will just like, for example, Romans 10, 9, and 10. Um, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from, from the, the dead, dead, you mm-hmm. shall be saved. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... There's a right, condition. The, the salvation yeah. is there. But the condition is you, you confess accept. with your mouth mm-hmm. and believe in your heart. Mm-hmm. So m- these these promises 
the fulfillment of these promises were conditional in the sense on people believing them. Right. And they showed their faith by their works. They did not work for their salvation. Mm -hmm. The merit was not given because of their works. It was because of grace. But the promises were were fulfilled. They came to pass. Mm -hmm. They were enforced uh, because they believed. And they did not just say, I believe, I believe, I believe. They showed their faith. If you look at Hebrews 11, Mm -hmm. they showed their faith by their works, like James would say. If you have faith, you know, it's proven by your works. It's not just, you know, we're not saved by our works, but, yeah. uh, but our faith. Th- those are an indication or a demonstration, demonstration of our faith. Of faith. Uh, that obedience to, obedience to the word of yes. God becomes the demonstration of our faith. You can have faith that this room is wired for electricity, but if you never get up and flip the switch, you may sit in the dark all day and all night. But see, the thing is faith, you say, well, I believe that this room is wired for electricity and by faith you get up and go flip the switch. That's what we're talking about. It's by faith you take action. And, and even, you know, it was, it's okay to talk to God about it and to ask him going back to Romans five, he says, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way to come to the Lord God and, and get, make peace with him except through Jesus Christ, um, who is the way, the truth and the life. It's through him. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We're actually able to now at this point rejoice in the hope of even things that are not yet seen. And people say, well, you're crazy. It, but it's like any other promise. You believe, you know, you've been pro- promised this or promised that. And when you believe the person who's made the promise, you can start to get excited about it, even though um, you have no way to fulfill it yourself. But God has every way to fulfill it and he's every intention of fulfilling it. And all of this, this whole thing by faith in the promises is for one reason. And that is that not to make us responsible for our own salvation, um, not to bring us to the place of disappointment. Um, Verse five. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by his Holy spirit who was given to us. So that spirit has been sent inside of you is the, the treasurer that holds that hope for us, holds the wisdom, holds the counsel, holds the peace, holds the victory. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We were all lost. We were all slated for hell. We were all slated to be thrown into the abyss, not because God wanted to, but because the devil had, had stolen us from God. Um, that, you know, but this is, but God, verse eight of five demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He made the difference. He changed everything around. Um, uh, But much more now than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath to come. Um, So what he's saying is that there's many promises or parts to this promise. One part of that is eternal life, salvation forever with Jesus Christ, joint heirs with him, inheritors with him. And when Jesus comes back to rule and reign on this earth, the first time he came to redeem, the second time he's going to come to pick up his prize, that would be us, and to bring forth the promises. And it says that we we eagerly wait for him until he will appear the second time, um, apart from sin unto salvation. We, you know, it's okay to be eager. As a matter of fact, we need to be eager. Um, look up for your salvation draws nigh. Do not be swallowed up, guys, by the things that are going on in the world right now. Don't be too distracted. Don't be too disheartened. 
don't, I mean, yes, we need to pray. We need to intercede. We need to intervene. We need to, but most of all, before you can do any of that, praying and striving and struggling and, and, and travailing and all that stuff uh, and weeping and crying and carrying on and growing weary, we need to go to the throne of God and, and obtain grace and mercy and strength and faith, endurance to be able to worship God. I believe when things get really bad, really, really bad. So you don't even, you can't even cry out anymore. You can't even pray anymore. You don't even know how to get this thing done anymore. You begin to worship God. You begin to thank him and praise him and just focus on, let your focus and attention be drawn back to the father, the the son and the Holy spirit and the grace, the goodness of God in heaven. He does complete his promises. He said, he says, except you become as little children, you cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. And we understand that little children have this kind of innocent faith to believe. They don't question. They don't figure out, well, how in the world is my dad ever going to afford to get me that? They just believe dad's going to get that for me or mom or whoever is going to do this. And, and this is the kind of innocent faith that, you know, father God has pity on. He, Wait on the Lord. He says, be of good courage. Courage. He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say in the Lord. So the weight of the burden, the weight of the, the promise, the weight of waiting becomes the burden. You know, I'm waiting upon God. And he said, well, what are you doing? I'm being. I'm abiding. I'm trusting. I'm reading my Bible. I'm okay. You know, um, in whatever state I'm content, whether I have a lot more than I need or not quite enough or it looks like not quite enough. I know that God has been faithful, and so do you, to bring you to this place, even to this place of severe testing, as he did with with, uh, Peter. But God also wants to bring us to the place of vindication, where all of these unjust things that have happened to us, all of this struggle and striving, all of what Satan has done, all the provoking, all of the injustices, all of the missed opportunities, all of the witchcraft that's been practiced against us, everything. God wants to vindicate us and he will, and he will um, redeem us and, and make those things right. And just not, not just with us. I mean, every blade of grass, he says, that is not from him is going to be taken out. Everything that's not of God is going to be dealt with and removed. And you want to make sure in these last days that you are of God with God and that God is with you because um, there's, there's no other way to stand in the day of wrath and judgment that is coming upon the earth. And you say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scoffers say that's been like that for a long time. Well, yes, it has. But if you really look closely, never before in history have we had such a a potential to destroy ourselves with our own inventions and our own creations as, as it was in the past. Yeah. What you're saying there, Margie is uh, like on second Peter three, three, it says knowing this first that scoffers will come. Mm Mm-hmm. Boy, do we have scoffers in our nation right now, scoffing, scoffing about this, scoffing about that. The righteousness uh, of God, the truth of Jesus, yeah. His rightful rule, rulership of the earth. It's all being contested right. by the, the, the demigods and the false gods. And, right. Scoffers walking according to their own lusts, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So they're saying, well, we've been hearing about Jesus' return for a long time, and he hasn't come yet, and I don't know, is he really going to come? That's a dangerous view to have, for sure. Uh, for uh, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Yes, things are continuing, in a sense, as they were from the beginning of the creation. However, there are unique things, prophetic 
events that are being fulfilled oh, yeah. every day every that day. are unique to our time. God said how things mm-hmm. are going to be, mm-hmm. and this is how they are in, in this but time. A lot of people are blind to it. They don't see it, you know. Right, exactly. Get... But the thing to remember, too, here is this. In Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Amen. As some co- concerning what? His promise. Promise, as some count slackness. But is long suffering toward us, very patient, very, very patient, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is, this is something that we have to keep in mind that God desires the salvation of everyone. Mm-hmm. possible. He doesn't want anyone to perish, mm-hmm. and uh, but that all should come to repentance. Well, of course, and that's the final judgment, and that's that's the big event. But the personal events that we go through every day are just as important, and we can wrap up with this, but in Psalm 28, it says, To you, O Lord, I will cry, Rock, O Lord, my rock, my salvation, do not be silent to me, lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my supplication when I cry to you and when I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. So faith, hope, says God is going to hear me. Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard my voice, the voice of my supplication. Verse 6, verse 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices with my song. I will praise him. The Lord is our strength. Then he goes on in, in to say, um, again, we have several psalms here where the psalmist is crying out for help or um, oh Lord, my God, I cry out to you and you have healed me. Oh Lord, you've brought me, my soul up out from the grave. You've kept me alive. I should not, that I should not go down to the pit. In 30, Psalm 30 verse five, he says, but his anger is for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. This is, you know, we can't get hung up on what's happening in the night. We can't get hung up on, on the, the, the momentary setbacks and fears and terrors. He says, I have turned you you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I give thanks to you forever. Um, have mercy on me, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away. You're my healer. All of these things are constantly the conversations that we're having. But as for me, I trust in you, oh, Lord. You are my God. These, this is where, where we become secure in our faith, in our hope in the adversities where Satan wants to contest your clinging to God. And God says, wait upon me, wait upon the Lord. I will renew your strength. Um, and as we eagerly wait, we are strengthened in the promises of God. Right. And, and kind of looking here at the end, uh, Marjorie, it's the bigger, the bigger picture mm-hmm. of all the promises. And we look at kind of what we do, our personal issues and believing God and so forth. Mm-hmm. Here's a bigger picture we have to always keep in mind in second Peter three ten. but the day of the Lord will come yeah. as a thief in the knife in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of, of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his, what? 
promise. Mm -hmm. Look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And Mm -hmm. it says, um, we're jumping down to verse 17 and 18. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. And Peter himself, as he's talking about this, wraps up again. And that's what John was telling us to do. Uh, or was that Peter? That was what Peter was telling yeah. us. Yeah, and Peter says in, in chapter 1, verse 13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So, Father, we thank you for giving us hope, giving us grace, giving us salvation through the promise of Jesus Christ, to agreement with that promise, and for your, your instruction that this is all to create in us peace, rest, reliance upon you, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and holiness. So, Father, we pray a blessing upon each one who's listening and will listen to this message, and we're asking that you give us that deep revelation to take us from the place we are to the place of more understanding, more depth, more solidity, more confidence in you, that you go before us, make a way before us where there is no way, because you are the way maker, and that you take these heavy burdens that we've been carrying, because you said my yoke is easy, my burden is light, that you lift them off of us, that you carry them, and you give us a new revelation, the revelation of your faithfulness, your love, your truth, in that particular area where we've been bound by fear, that you bring the revelation of Jesus Christ. We ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. This is Life Recovery and True Light Church. True Light Church meets. We meet at the Dayton Activity Center every Sunday, uh, 10 a.m. Um, and that's in Minnesota, by the way. Dayton, Minnesota. Yeah. yeah You're close right. by. Come down. Yeah. yeah. We and liferecovery.com. Liferecovery.com for more information. Rescue Radio. And we're on Twitter now, so you can listen to us on Twitter uh, if you get it on our account, Life Recovery Inc. I N C, join us there, please, and then make it make your life easier as well. God bless you all, and we'll see you next week. I have an emergency. What is your location? for your soul.